Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for hanging out with us and being part of our fam. OMG, it's Thanksgiving tomorrow and the holidays are here. Yes, the holidays are here. And honey, I am so excited about it. Actually, that's a lie. I'm not that excited. I was just putting up a front because I feel like the natural thing is to say you're excited about the holidays, but it's 2020. This year hasn't really given us a lot of things to be excited about, except for just like being able to be alive and breathing, you know, the necessary things, but the holidays is going to be weird. And that's what I'm sticking with. It's a weird Mm -hmm. time. Yeah, that's your truth. And I respect that. For me, I am excited to have two days off. I mean, that part I am as well. Time. That's I agree. I am the type of person that fills up my schedule. I'm always doing, I'm always busy. And it's nice to kind of slow down for a moment. Yeah. And, and, and slowing down, that's where you can gain uh, better appreciation for life. I have to agree. And I think journaling is going to be something that I'm going oh. to be doing during the holidays. And I think everyone else should as well, because it does make you feel better. I promise. It's not just something that sheer as hippie self would suggest. Oh God, I I'm actually so would say Ryan. it works. That's the only Ryan. time I'm going on record that saying that something Shira has said will work. <laughs> Okay, well, we can go back to other moments you've said that. Just saying, just saying, I'm happy for you. What's I'm coming up on the show? That works for you. Uh, coming up, Ali Young from Protect the Sacred is joining us to share how we can honor Native American communities over Thanksgiving. Plus, what to do with relationships over the holidays when families are involved. It can get tricky. All right. Yeah, that and more coming up on the show. Let's get into some what's trending this hour. One day after Pennsylvania certified its election results, formalizing President-elect Joe Biden's win over President Trump in the state's presidential race, Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani, attended a public hearing in Gettysburg on election issues and alleged irregularities. And President Trump wasn't able to attend in person, but phoned in to continue his false claims that he won swing states like Pennsylvania and basically the entire election. And it's very interesting to see what's going on. And this was an election that we won easily. We won it by a lot. Uh, A big energy uh, official was on this morning uh, on a uh, important show and said there's no way Trump didn't win Pennsylvania because the energy industry was all for him. 
Uh, I saw, you know, with with my eyes what happened, and he told me horror stories, absolute horror stories. So yeah, that happened today on speakerphone. <laughs> I mean, he was so annoying. The fact that he was is still throwing out uh, like evidence like he has no evidence baseless claims like the fact that he's still doing this it's like please put this man in a nursing home and get him some help well the pardons are beginning we saw this coming the president announced today that he has granted a full pardon to his former national security advisor michael flynn flynn pled guilty twice in 2017 for lying to the fbi during its investigation of potential russian meddling in the 2016 presidential election so it's not just the turkeys he's pardoning. Now let's move on to President-elect Biden, who gave his Thanksgiving address today from Wilmington, Delaware, encouraging Americans to work together against the virus versus against each other. We're at war with the virus, not with one another, not with each other. This is the moment where we need to steal our spines, redouble our efforts, and recommit ourselves to the fight. Let's remember, we're all in this together. Sounds trite to say, but we're all in this together. For so many of us, it's hard to hear this fight isn't over. And we still have months of this battle ahead of us. That's the uh, positivity, inspiration, leadership we need. Come on, it's easier said than done, but at least it's something. Oh, I'm happy that's all that it takes for you. Oh, there's more, but at least it's a start. Okay, the bar is really low. Yep. But uh, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right, we call this the T-Report, those pop culture stories that are trending right now. And of course, the internet is very divided, and it's not because of politics. It's actually because the first look of the live-action Clifford the Big Red Dog adaptation um, has dropped. You know, Paramount Pictures dropped the first glimpse, um, and people are really, com- like, conflicted by this i don't understand you know the teaser shows the uh, the footage of like a whole bunch of little dogs included like some smaller mm-hmm. dogs for perspective to show how big you know clifford the big red dog actually is and i honestly think he's very cute a lot of people feel like he's not you know here are some social reactions live action clifford the big red dog proves once again that nothing i love my from my <laughs> childhood is sacred it one user said another user said the uh, clifford the big red dog in live action looking cute but he looks dead behind the eyes <laughs> he actually mean, looks pretty creepy like he's a giant <laughs> red dog but it's like a live action dog so it's a regular dog that they just made huge yes, and they died. Uh, well obviously they didn't die it the dog he does look like, like an after effect yeah. it's weird here's the thing he does look like a little demon dog but i grew up on clifford the big red dog he is a part of my childhood and the movie which is coming out next year stars jack whitehall darby camp tony hale um you know david allen greer and so many others uh the movie hits theaters november 5th 2021 and if you want to make your own decision head over to our instagram story right now to check it out at lgt show because i think that's super cute right shira get on it that's your one list add clifford (laughs) creepy clifford to the lgt show instagram story yep okay now Now, moving on to the t report taylor swift oh my god on wednesday she gave fans an introspective look into creating the album um folklore that we all loved i also have to say i'm obsessed with that album it was right on time in the middle and um basically it's paired with an acoustic live performance of the entire record on disney plus's 
Folklore, the Long Pond Studio Sessions. And so in this conversation with the album's co-producers, Aaron Dress- uh, Dessner and Jack Antonoff, um, she opens up about the song's lyrics and creating the record completely separate from each other. Also, honey, she also revealed mm-hmm. that her boyfriend played a huge role in this album, uh, William Bowery, a songwriting pseudonym uh, for uh, basically his work, uh, her boyfriend's work. He actually wrote two songs on there and he just faked his name like he didn't give out his real name, which is something Taylor Swift has done before. She actually wrote This Is What You Came For, that big Rihanna song with Calvin Harris. Mm -hmm. um, But she listed herself as someone else. And so, yeah, y'all should check it out because this is actually streaming on Disney Plus now. And that's your T-Report. I got more coming up next hour. Okay, coming up, want to get smarter in seconds. Well, historian and social media star Blair Imani joins us after this to talk about her viral Instagram series. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. I'm so excited for our next guest. She's been on our show before, and she's just doing incredible things. Blair Amani is a writer, mental health advocate, historian, and she's at the intersections of Black, queer, and Muslim identity. During the pandemic, she launched Smarter in Seconds on her Instagram. And Blair Imani joins us right now. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. It's great to see you all, even though it's a virtual. Gotta stay safe. Gotta stay pandemic and COVID free. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been really wild. Now, you are being very gracious. I was definitely playing 500 hours of Animal Crossing at the beginning of the pandemic. <laughs> hilarious oh god i mean i almost started playing animal planet but that means i'm what is it planet is animal planet that's a network crossing (laughs) no but i mean yeah you have to figure out how you get through this situation and it's been a roller coaster for sure but is that all that's kind of helped you get through this moment in time and in history no that was definitely the avoidance you know like i think people approach things different ways. My parents, they're like doomsday preppers. They were on it. They were like, time to start a garden, time to do all the renovations we didn't get to do because we had company over, time to be super productive. And I was just like, time to do absolutely nothing until all of my savings are gone. So when that <laughs> happened, I had to get very creative. I appreciate that, Blair, because when I look at you on Instagram and every, everything, I say, this person seems so productive on it, knows <laughs> everything. <laughs> like, Thank you. I'm looking up to you. And yet to know you ha- you can be a normal person too. That That makes me feel better. Yes. I mean, and also I think because I travel so much, I started to realize how much traveling was me escaping from myself. So I had to really sit down in my own self and in my own mess and figure out what do I love about myself? What do I love doing? And it really came down to education. And with the tragic and, you know, extremely unnecessary and brutal murder of George Floyd, there was this increased energy and awareness that this type of education is necessary and as somebody who comes from intersectionality theory and also from you know anti-racism and in history I was like okay well let me try to do my best and then as you all know I can talk a mile a minute so I was like well let me try to factor these things in and this all kind of coalesced when reels came out on Instagram and I'm like okay reels is out I'm a big influencer now because y'all I went from 50,000 followers to 150 overnight wow Wow. How, like, how did that happen is because of where, where you are in this space and what you share. It was a lot of guilty white people because, you know, a lot of folks didn't realize that racism was such a big deal. And I call it the great awakening because so many folks realized because, one, they couldn't do anything else. They had to pay attention. They had to sit in their discomfort and they had to figure out how can I feel better about this? 
And they said, how can I feel better about this? So a lot of folks posted that infamous black square, which was making them feel better. But that's not getting anyone free. That's not changing anyone's life or liberating anyone. So I called that out. And I also called out things like the whole looting conversation. I'm like, okay, if we're going to talk about looting, are we also going to talk about the museums, about how the most prestigious museums in the world were essentially fortified through looting? Are you going to return the artifacts? And it was also interesting because I ended up helping somebody in Switzerland repatriate an artifact from Egypt to Egypt during the pandemic. So it just kind of was like, you know what? I've done so many things that I have been blessed to do living in New York. I've been on billboards, like all that type of cool stuff. And now I'm in this uncharted territory where I can really get creative. So by the time Reels came out, I'm like, okay, well, I'm not going to do a makeup video. I'm not going to do those dance videos. I don't have dance moves like that. I'm not trying to embarrass myself. But what I can do is talk fast and educate people. So that's yeah. what I'm doing. And um, I was going to call it quarter minute lessons and color me Courtney. She was like, Blair, no, don't make people do math in the title. Call it smarter <laughs> in seconds. And so that's why it's called smarter in seconds. And I thank her because eventually it went from 15 seconds to 30 seconds. And now I'm just trying to cover everything and all things and do it in a really approachable you know, accessible way. And it's been very popular. It has. Again, you're hearing the voice, the fast talking voice of Blair Imani, <laughs> historian, social media star, really, as well. So what, what are the type of responses that you've been getting? I mean, obviously, people are loving it and learning a lot, but there has to be a dark side to some of it, right? <laughs> oh, yes. Okay. So there's a group of folks who I call the well actuallys. And, you know, once I started to understand that having 300,000 followers means I'm the mayor of the size, like a town the size of Anchorage, Alaska, it takes a little bit of pressure off. Because if you think of any town, <laughs> You're going to have a neighborhood association that's just full of jerks. You're going to have folks who are going to be very preoccupied with how tall the grass is growing and stuff mm -hmm, like that, you know? Mm -hmm. And then it, you may, it makes me let go a little bit because I'm like, of course, there's going to be some like very persnickety folks. Okay, chill. I'm the mayor. I don't really care. You know, it's fine. Um, but they're the, well, actually, who live in that one neighborhood. And as soon as I post something, they're like, well, actually, you missed this. And I'm like, okay. For example, I also have Lauren O'Clock, and we did a thing on Dia de los Muertos. And somebody commented, well, it's actually Dia de Muertos, not Dia de los Muertos. And I was like, actually, it's neither because it was predating the Spanish that was colonized, that colonized the entire practice and the people. Ooh. So everything's wrong. And they were like, Oh, I'm sorry. And I'm like, yeah, dude. Like, <laughs> okay. Not you gathering, folks. I love it. <laughs> and I do it. I try to do it in this really like approachable way because I'm seen as this educator now. And the way that people come to me is because it's not judgmental. I'm not saying, oh, you didn't know. I'm just providing the information. But, you know, when I get 80 of the same responses, of somebody, you know, assuming that I didn't do something properly. It's hard to be as present and as cheery with the first person as I am with the 80th person, which gives me so much more empathy for every teacher I've ever had. That's like, Blair, just look at the syllabus. And I was like, wow, what a jerk. And now I get it. Now I totally get it. I'm sorry to every teacher. Blair Armani. Again, you can check her out on social media at Blair Armani and Smarter in Seconds. Now coming up on the show, how to make it through the holiday without picking up COVID. That's next in two minutes. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. As Thanksgiving is upon us, according to data compiled by Johns Hopkins University in Medicine, the average daily number of COVID-19 cases has risen to above 160,000. And there are more than 11.2 million total infections in the country. And by the way, I'll add this again, as we know, over 260,000 Americans who have died because of the virus, tragically. That number is just so hard to even mention and take in that reality. 
Back with us is infectious diseases expert, Dr. Michael Sag, as we talk about what people can do to get through the holiday without picking up COVID. Thanks for being here. Well, thanks for having me back. It's a challenging time because mm -hmm. we all want to be together with our families. And goodness knows we're tired of this messaging, right? Everyone in the audience can quote, wear a mask, keep your distance, avoid large crowds. Everybody knows that, yet it's really hard to do. Here's the way I would think about it for this coming holiday season. Imagine that we're all together in a combat zone overseas. We have a tour of duty that ends next Thanksgiving, and we're not going to be able to be with our families like we want to be this Thanksgiving and Christmas. So we know a year from now we're getting out. We're going to make it. We just have to survive until then. And what that's going to require is all of us going into the trenches, fighting side by side, band of brothers and sisters, fighting together, looking out for ourselves, but also looking out for our fellow combat soldiers. And if we can do that, if we can hang together and do all those things we know to do together, we'll make it through this. It's when we're not holding up our end of the bargain that puts not only ourselves, but those around us in jeopardy. And nobody wants to do that. Yeah, I mean, it's so true. But unfortunately, we, we saw over the weekend that people were not following CDC guidelines and they were traveling anyway. So there are going to be a lot of families who unfortunately are getting together. So how do we do this in the safest possible way? Is that achievable? It's really not achievable if we're going to business as usual Thanksgiving. And what that means is we're going to have to keep the numbers of people at any given location to bare minimum, immediate family, maybe one or two others. And that's it. And the rest of it will have to be done by Zoom. You know, the traveling is a part of Thanksgiving, but this year it really has to be different, unfortunately. And yeah, I feel like everyone considers themselves the exception, right? Mm. Like, oh, it's just not going to happen to us or we're the ones being safe. Like how do you get people out of that mindset or attitude? Or is it possible even? It's really hard. And all I can say is if you just put, if people would just imagine themselves in the shoes of their average ID doctor like me, and what I'm getting are text after text after text. I'm sorry to bother you with this, but my son came home from college and he's got COVID or my daughter is now traveling back home and her roommate has COVID. What do I do? That's the first thing that we have to understand that all transmission is local. It's from one person to another, usually in a closed, more intimate environment. And that's our home. We're seeing most of the transmissions now through the home because we figured, well, our relatives, we know them. I've been with them three weeks ago. They're safe. Well, we don't know who they've been with. We don't know if they might have picked it up somewhere else. And once they're at home, if we let our guard down, the entire family, I've seen entire families get COVID. Some of them do well, some of them struggle, and we just don't know in advance how it's going to play out for any one person. Again, we're talking to infectious diseases expert, Dr. Michael Sag, about being safe this Thanksgiving. <laughs> I mean, but here's the thing. People are still, we're still going to do it. I mean, not we, but people are still going to do it. So what should they do? Should they like individually wrap the food? Should they not do it buffet style? Have, you know, normal people would do it on a normal holiday. Like, are there things or tips that you would give if you're breaking the rules? Just so you know, here's what you can do to still try to be safe. Yeah, here's what we can do. So number one, even inside the house for people not living in that community coming in from outside, everyone wears a mask. 
the entire time except when you eat. And when you do eat, set up small clusters of tables, six to 12 feet apart, so that when your mask comes down to eat, you're only two or three people immediately next to you are people you're normally living with. Everybody else is distanced away. And then have boxes of the food delivered that is carried to each person's table. Let them eat it separately. And you can have conversation across the room, but it still needs to be 10 or 12 feet apart. Outdoors, if possible, I realize if you're living in the Northeast right now, that's not easy. But if you're in LA or if you're in Southern California or Florida, you can do that. Definitely. Finally, Dr. Fauci recently said how even when we get a vaccine, we're going to need to practice these guidelines. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. And that's kind of where that military analogy came from of next Thanksgiving. I think it's going to be almost a year, hopefully sooner, that we'll have enough people vaccinated to really burn the bend the curve of the epidemic. So it's really next Thanksgiving that I think we'll have a chance to be liberated. Our tour of duty will be over and we can start returning to normal. And until then, even when we get vaccines, we have to take the precautions until that time. All right. Well, thank you so much and happy holidays. We appreciate happy you. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you guys. That was infectious diseases expert, Dr. Michael Sag. Now coming up on the show, wealthy folks are hiring gig workers to wait in line for their COVID tests. Is that wrong or just plain smart? We're debating that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Would you hire someone to wait in line for you to get a COVID test? Well, according to this now deleted TikTok video from this user at the Tip Guy NYC, he talks about how some people are actually doing this. They're going on TaskRabbit and hiring someone to wait in line for them at these COVID tests, right? And then when they get to the front of the line, they text you. And the video also told you to filter by cheapest available. So is this smart or problematic? Um, I can't tell. Are you upset with this? Like, do you not like this? Well, a lot of people are wondering, uh, and it's, it's creating a debate on social media. Personally, me, I think that, I mean, I get it. I, I get if, if you are a busy person, why waste your time in line, including if it's a long line? I mean, we know how long these lines are getting. And you're actually giving someone a job. So people need work these days. So it seems like a win-win situation, kind of. Yeah, um, I don't have a problem with this either, to be quite honest. Like, I think whoever wrote this article on Vice.com, they were really upset about it. And I think they made some mm -hmm. valid points about talking about how the bigger conversation is how people are refusing to follow CDC guidelines and planning to travel for Thanksgiving. And that's why they're getting the test. Also, how the pandemic has been handled in general for people to have to do these type of jobs because they're needing money because the government hasn't given us any more stimulus. Like they haven't helped the American people. And so people are really needing money right now. Um, but to be honest, I do think because of the open lines of communication that TaskRabbit and these other places have said that they have when these people sign on to do these jobs, it makes sense. It's like, if I can make some money and I can do this and just have to wait in the line, of course I'm going to. And this idea of only wealthy people being able to do something like this, honey, I would do this and I am nowhere near to the fit, to any inches to the word wealth. And so it just, it makes sense to me. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, it's, it's pretty practical. And also, let's be clear. If you're actually wealthy and you want to get a test, you'll probably get someone to come to your place. That so part. That, that said, I think this does bring up a bigger issue of the disparities that this pandemic has brought to light. And th this quote or part of the 
article that this person, Ed- Edward Angueso Jr. wrote on Vice.com, says it the best. He says, masses of out-of-work people standing in line for a COVID-19 test on behalf of wealthy people ignoring guidance that could end the pandemic isn't any kind of solution. It's a perfect example of why things got this bad to begin with. And, and I think he makes a, a good point in saying that, but you're not going to you know, drag people from for doing what they got to do. Yeah, I think at any point, I think we're all kind of trying to fit in where, you know, what's the saying? Get in where you fit in. And I think we're all trying True. to just make these situations work for all of us, regardless of people more busy and have the the privilege and the, the means to be able to hire someone to do this. Like, or the person standing in the line trying to get some money. Like, we're all just trying to make it work. And I don't think we should really be putting the blame on anyone except for I do I do think the blame does need to go on some people who are kind of ignoring CDC guidelines and just planning to travel like that just feels very irresponsible but I do understand I do also get it um but I do think it's really the responsibility really lies on the government and what they put the American people through and that's what I'm I'm putting my energy towards okay coming up on the show why first lady Melania Trump was told she couldn't light the white White House in rainbow colors for Pride Month. That's next on What's Training This Hour. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Coming up on the show, who could replace Alex Trebek on Jeopardy as the host? I mean, questions well, we all want answers to. I mean, for real, there's a name that is floating around, and let's just say it would be pretty bomb if they chose this person. We're going to be telling you that in just a bit. Plus, how to deal with bringing your partner home for the holidays, even if that's just on Zoom. I mean, I'm happy you're telling folks what to expect here, but we have bigger issues here. There is a debate about what is the best pie that I told you to ask your your following on Twitter. Uh And you did not mention one pie that is my favorite, but that's okay. I'll let you slide. But what are the results? Yeah, what is your favorite pie? My favorite pie of all time is sweet potato pie. Okay, okay, yes. I said, which pie is better? Pumpkin pie, apple pie, pecan pie. And the winner of the pie contest is apple pie got a whopping 50%. Yeah, for sure. And then it gets close with pumpkin and pecan because that's at, uh, it's pumpkin pie next, 26%, and pecan pie at 24%. Pumpkin pie is so gross. It's disgusting. And I don't even like pecans, so I don't like pecan pie. So you would not be able to participate in my survey, unfortunately. So I like apple pie. Apple pie is good with a okay. scoop of ice cream. But yeah, we yes. saw that. I'll be getting some of that. That's for sure. Mm-mm-mm, delish. Okay, oh my God. let's get into some what's trending this hour. In an exclusive NBC interview with Lester Holt, President-elect Joe Biden said that he does not intend to use the Department of Justice to investigate Trump. I will not do what this president does and use the Justice Department as my vehicle to insist that something happened. There are a number of investigations that I've read about that are at a state level. There's nothing at all I can or cannot do about that. But I'm focused on getting the American public back at a place where they have some certainty, some surety, some knowledge that they can make it. The middle class and working class people are being crushed. That's my focus. And that focus will definitely have his hands full, that's for sure. Now, according to senior Republican sources, First Lady Melania Trump wanted to light up the White House in rainbow colors to mark Pride Month this year. That would have been awesome. However, the idea was reportedly shot down. 
So these two anonymous sources spoke to Washington Blade, and supposedly that idea was opposed by the White House Chief of Staff, Mark Meadows. Now, Meadows has been a longtime opponent of LGBTQ equality measures, including same-sex marriage, which he once warned would lead to a constitutional crisis. The insider sources says Meadows, who became chief of staff in March, was against any demonstration whatsoever of LGBTQ support from the White House for Pride Month. Guess that's not going to happen again. <laughs> Now, the number of Americans applying for unemployment benefits rose last week to 778,000. Before the virus struck hard in mid-March, weekly claims typically amounted to roughly 225,000. They shot up to 6.9 million, 6.9 million during one week in March before dropping yet remaining historically high more than eight months later, with many businesses unable to fully reopen. The number of people who are continuing to receive traditional unemployment benefits is now 6.1 million, up from fewer than 1.7 million a year ago. And that was what's trending this hour. What is happening in entertainment news, Ryan? All right. So the tea report is all about the royal family um, this hour. And Meghan Markle, she actually revealed in a new personal essay for the New York Times that she suffered a miscarriage this summer. And she described the almost unbearable grief it's caused her and her husband, Prince Harry. Now, um, she details, I mean, the moment that she felt a sharp pain on an ordinary month, a morning in July while changing her one-year-old son Archie's diaper at home in California. Uh, she said she dropped to the floor with him in her arms. Uh, she oh. was humming a lullaby to try to keep them calm. Um, but she also said this, which is crazy. She said, I knew as I clutched my firstborn child that I was losing my second, which is oh. wild. Um, in the essay titled The Losses We Share, uh, Marco said that she revealed her own heartache after learning that it was one suffered in uh, in a silence by many others. And she ends her her essay by saying, so this Thanksgiving, as we planned for a holiday unlike any before, many of us separated from our loved ones, alone, sick, scared, divided, and perhaps struggling to find something, anything to be grateful for. Let us commit to asking others, are you okay? And she says, mm -hmm. are we okay? We will be, that she, she insisted, which is beautiful, right? Yeah, it's very powerful. It's amazing, and I'm happy she's sharing that because we keep just hearing more and more stories, which uh, as a woman, it's uh, I, I applaud their courage. And then a part of me, who, because I haven't had a child yet, it scares me. It's scary. Oh, my God. I can only imagine how scary that feels, that that's a possibility, right? Mm-hmm. That's the reality, though. Yeah. Now, the next story, as we move on in the T-Report, still has to deal with the, the royal family because the crown, this re recent season that has Princess Diana in it, telling her story, has got the fans crazy um, because Prince Charles and Duchess Camilla had to turn off their comments after being trolled by the crown fans. I mean, it's gotten really intense. And to be honest, I think I'm going to start watching it over the week, uh, over, you know, the holiday break mm -hmm. because everyone makes me want to watch it it feels like it's so good have you seen the crown i have not 
But, I mean, I'm sure it is. It's a the story of the royal family is a crazy yeah. One. Apparently, it's a mess. It's shady, and the way they treated Diana is oh, a, yeah. is awful. And so, I can't wait to tune in. Let us know what you think at LGT Show everywhere on social, and of course, I got more tea report coming up next hour. Okay, coming up on the show though next, the trauma of Thanksgiving for Native communities during a pandemic, and what we can all do about that. That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. When we look at the origins of Thanksgiving, it's not a celebration and it's become deeply controversial. It's considered a day of mourning connected to the murder and conquest of Native Americans by colonists. And back with us to share her take on this from Protect the Sacred, Allie Young. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Now, Protect the Sacred is doing so much work on the ground with Navajo youth and young people throughout the Indian country. What is a week like this mean to you? It's a week of education, actually, you know, and and, and it's also emotionally exhausting um, because of the education that we have to continuously push out this week just to be acknowledged um, and for our history to be acknowledged. Uh, If we didn't, you know, we'd go on really celebrating genocide and that's not okay. Yeah, I mean, this country, especially during the summer with the pandemic and obviously all of the protesting that was happening, um, this country is currently having to re-examine its racist past, right? Um, But do you think it fully understand how that past really affected indigenous people and currently maybe re-examining how we celebrate this holiday. Yeah, that's important. And I think that's the work of Native people right now and organizations that focus on uh, really increasing our visibility in the media, um, because that's important. It's important for us to uh, have space to tell our story, the, you know, and, and talk about those dark truth of, you know, this, this country and its history, um, because all of that is really important to healing. You know, the, this country needs healing right now. We're so divided across this country, but healing starts when we can acknowledge those atrocities throughout history and starting with the first people of this land and giving us that space to do so. It's really important. And I think that we have to continue to do that in order to progress. Yeah, so uh, where do you think the holiday ends up in the future? Um, It's interesting because I do have a lot of, you know, Native friends and and no um, other extended family members who do gather. You know, it is a, you know, it is a time that family gets to see one another, uh, maybe not this year, but in the future, I think it's, it should be a time. Of, and also for Native communities in the fall, it's our harvest time. So we, we do feast during this time. But to really um, move forward and um, have those conversations at our dinner table at, you know, when we gather as family. But moving forward, I think that maybe we should rename the holiday. I don't know. It should be something else. It should be like fall you know, <laughs> yeah. um, fall, fall gathering or something like that. <laughs> well, what's so interesting is because of the time that we're in, and I was reading an article, and they made a really good point about how, um, you know, many Native families and populations, they're looking at this time kind of as like a flashback into, you know, history where white settlers spread it, you know, deadly diseases. And it's kind of what we're seeing with people blatantly ignoring the COVID-19 season 
CDC guidelines, right? And and seeing that and not understanding that a lot of this virus is disproportionately affecting, you know, Native communities and Black and Brown folks. I just wanted to know your perspective on that. Is that something that you're also kind of feeling as well in the midst of seeing everything going on? Absolutely. I mean, that intergenerational trauma still really affects our communities. And during this time when there's this disease that is disproportionately affecting us, but also killing us, you know, for Navajo Nation, the death toll is over 630 right now. Um, And for a community of 150,000 people, that's, that's a lot. And so, yeah, we are reminded that, you know, as we approach Thanksgiving and that history of um, these invaders, uh, European invaders coming in to our homeland and bringing those diseases with them and and using that to really decimate our communities um, down to a like 2% population right now is what is our makeup. <laughs> and so we are reminded, you know, at, at this time that, um, as people gather, it's kind of insulting. You know, they're going to gather, they're going to continue to spread this virus. And especially in the the towns that border the Navajo Nation and other tribal communities, it's going to be out of control. And, And our communities have to go into those towns to do their shopping and get their essentials. And we're among those people who, who aren't, who don't care and who, who don't recognize this history and, and therefore making those decisions based on that. Again, we're talking to Ali Young, founder from Protect the Sacred. Ali, what do you want Americans and allies to know or think about as they take time off this week? Yeah, I, I encourage folks to look up some of these Native, amazing Native advocates, activists, uh, organizations um, who are putting out great infographics about the this country's history and, and what think in the Thanksgiving myth and the, the true history and, and read it talk about it. I encourage, you know, those conversations that you're as you gather with family. And then also wear a mask <laughs> and, you know, do everything that you can to mitigate the spread. Um, because it is serious right now. We're seeing the second wave across the country and it is continuing on top of that to impact uh, communities of color. Well, thank you so much for being here today. We appreciate it. Thanks so much. That was Ali Young, founder of Protect the Sacred. For more, go to protectthesacred.care. Coming up on the show, is your relationship ready for the holiday season? I'm not sure if me and Ryan's relationship is ready. No. Nope. I mean, we have a lot to work through. Yep. Dr. Alfie is here for those tips next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Holidays are nerve-wracking enough. Add a pandemic into it and a relationship where you're meeting parents for the first time and the anxiety can be next level. Back to help us is Dr. Alfie, psychologist, author, and host of the Couch in Color podcast. Thanks for being here. Of course, my pleasure, always. Yes, we love you. So first, how do you know if your relationship is even ready for Thanksgiving? Well, I think you really are, you know, I always come back to this idea of self-awareness. So it's not about necessarily what your partner thinks. It's about, are you ready? So individually, I think it really is an internal conversation that you have to have first. Are you prepared and thinking about what it means? And then you have the conversation with your partner. And then I think that's something that you all decide together. It's definitely not something where if your partner says, please come. And you just say, okay, right, if you're not ready. So that self-awareness piece is key. And then the communication between the two of you is, is key as well. You know, I didn't even think about parents this year, to be honest, because I thought about how many couples are disagreeing on if one mm. partner wants to go visit family and the other partner wants to be safe and responsible. Yes. Let's yes. talk about 
that could that really kind of cause some turmoil in the relationship if you're starting 100%. to realize that your partner is stupid. <laughs> Stop it. Well, you know, I've had this conversation a few times this week. It's funny. And I say, you know, wear a mask and stay at home with the people you live with, right? So if you and your partner live together, stay home together, right? If you live separately, stay in your own house separately. But I think it's, so I think that's first and foremost, the, the safest thing we can do for people we love is to stay at home and not spread the virus. Um, I think outside of that, absolutely, Ryan, 100%, a lot of couples are having these arguments. Shoot, friends are having these arguments. I have some girlfriends and I kind of look sideways. I ain't say nothing because I don't judge, but I just kind of look sideways and they're talking about, yeah, I'm going to travel. And so I just think that absolutely it's going to cause problems, but I'm going to come back to the same thing. Even with me not judging, staying at home is the best thing you can do. So everybody needs to stay at home. Mm -hmm. I agree. I feel like when you set your boundaries, including during a time like this, it really shows who's able to respect them and value them because that's a healthy dynamic versus those that look at it as like as if you're insulting them. That's exactly right. I'm sitting here nodding like anybody can see me 100 <laughs> percent. The boundary piece, the boundary piece is key. You have to set boundaries no matter what. And this is a, a real clear, bright red line in the sand that we want to draw. Plus, you want to be paying attention to what your partner's doing, not just in terms of you, but how are they respecting other people's boundaries by just showing up at somebody's house? Right. If you got older parents or parents who, um, you know, are immunocompromised, why would you go to their house and endanger them? So it's a great point, Cher. I agree 100%. Yeah, again, we're talking to psychologist Dr. Alfie about relationships during the holiday season and Thanksgiving and what to do with them, you know, because there's a lot of decisions to be made. And even if it's happening virtually, right? How do you do that? Like, how, how do you get to know your partner's parents or family members over Zoom? Isn't that uncomfortable? It's very uncomfortable. And when you started asking the question, the first thing that went through my mind was family arguments because people are on different sides of the political aisle. So, you know, I know literally I know people where they are the sole person in their family who's not a Trump supporter. Right. And so them, just them thinking about getting on Zoom with everybody is anxiety inducing. And so what I say to people is, around setting boundaries is you have a mute button. True. You have a turn off your camera button. Right. And you have a voice where you can say, look, before we even get started, I'm doing the timeout sign. We're not having any political conversations. If y'all take it that way, you will see me click. My screen will go blank. So I think it really is about understanding for yourself. What are your boundaries that you're not willing to allow people to cross and to answer your question directly? 100% it can be very awkward to make your initial introduction virtually. But that's where we are right now. So that might be the only choice you have. Yeah, I did that. I, I find it interesting. And, and this is actually happening to a friend. She's bringing her longtime boyfriend to meet her parents for the first time. And she has her own traumas with her mom. And like, how do you deal with that where you're you're trying to still heal your relationship and you're bringing out someone else into that and you don't know what's going to go down? Yeah. I, but you know, what's funny about that is the situation is not funny. What's funny is what's interesting and ironic about it mm -hmm. is so many people, that's how they function, right? So the fact you know, so if your friend even has a level of awareness where she recognizes this is going to be fraught with all kinds of feelings, she's a step ahead of most folks because other people just like sort of dive in there and don't even prep the partner for there's all this wildness that's been to happen and they don't even tell them that it's coming. And so no, people don't have context. So I think that level of self-awareness that you describe is, is really key. Like if you know your stuff is not fixed, you owe it to your partner to tell them that. So you can try to work on that together. And the one other thing I have to say quickly is prep your partner that they may need to do an extra level of caretaking for you mm. in those situations so that they can be prepared for that. And you give them the option 
of whether or not they want to do that for you. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, all of that, not what you said, but what Shira said yeah. sounds like a bad idea. It does not sound like a good idea to be bringing your partner into some mess, even though maybe well, for the partner, yeah. it shows, you know, whether or not they, you know, if they want to move on with that family. Because I do think that there's going to be some tough decisions being made. And some people may feel, well, it's getting close to the holidays. Do I need to wait to kind of break it off yeah. or should yeah. I keep it going? What do you think? In the best of all worlds, people would walk into these situations knowing I got a lot of crap that I have not resolved with my family. I don't need to bring anybody into this. But I talk with too many people on a regular basis, whether it's professionally or not. Nobody does that. Unfortunately, you know what I mean? I wish everybody had your thought processes, Ryan and Shira, but they don't. And so I think it is bad news to bring somebody into that without preparing them. But I think if you prepare them, right, because think about it like this. For some people, that stuff is never going to get resolved. Because you can't resolve it alone in that relationship. You can fix it for yourself, but you can't fix and repair that relationship unless the other person is willing. So as long as you know that and you prepare your partner with that information, I think that that can go a long way towards keeping a healthy relationship with you and your partner. Yeah, I love that. Dr. Alfie, thanks as always. We appreciate you. Of course. I appreciate y'all too. Happy holidays. You too. And you can listen to Dr. Alfie on the Couch in Color podcast. Now, coming up, the interim host of Jeopardy, Ken Jennings, is being called out for his problematic tweets. But were they really that bad? We're debating that next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Jeopardy has got a new interim host, and it's Ken Jennings. You know, he was the all-star champion. Everyone loves this guy. And, of course, he is filling in as the host of Jeopardy after Alex Trebek's passing. Rest in peace. But... Many people were not so happy with this casting news. So this is what went down. As you can imagine, uh, people went into social media from the past and they called out a 2014 tweet from him that said, nothing is sadder than a hot person in a wheelchair. I mean, Shira, I'm not shocked by this, to be quite honest. I'm not really shocked by uh, a cis-assumed hetero you know white guy and all that assumes like i don't yeah all of that assumed i'm not i'm not shocked by him having some bones in his graveyard you know some skeletons in his closet i'm not shocked by that in all honesty like i think we should be switching it up completely i don't know why we need another like kind of like cis hetero white guy being the host anyway it just feels like let's switch it up jeopardy is already for the nerds and is already a little boring, but it's good TV. I love that show. Don't get me wrong. But it doesn't seem like this guy even really cares that he said that stuff. Well, he's since deleted this post, right? And he did, I guess, address the controversial remark in 2018 saying, I never did a public flogging thing for this, but I did apologize personally to angry, hurt people who reached out personally. It was a joke so inept that it meant something very different in my head. And I regret that it was even written the plain reading of it. So that's that not was an his apology though. I'm taking accountability. Uh, he is unfortunately, and this is a bit of a generalization stereotype. I find personally, and because I've dated these types of people, very smart, nerdy types that sometimes have an emotional, social intelligence that's off. <laughs> unfortunately. So like they want to say something and they want to maybe address something and they don't really do it in the 
right way necessarily. Yeah, it's weird. I just don't. Yeah, it's true. I don't think, you know, a lot of especially highly smart people like that. They don't really have social cues and they don't really understand. But that's still no excuse. Right. And I just think it proves that he's really not the the person. What's funny is, like I was saying, like, I just don't think we need another like cishet white guy kind of being Mm -hmm. a part of this. There was this old clip that came from Alex Trebek that has been circling on the internet of him being interviewed by Harvey Levin on Fox News. And uh, Harvey t- Levin on Fox, like way back. Yeah, on Fox. And he huh. talks about this, how basically he got invited to work with the NAACP because he was tanned so much that <laughs> they thought he was black. Oh and God. so the it's, it comes into this space of like even Alex Trebek throughout everything in his career, like he did problematic things as well. And I think maybe we should start off by doing something new. LeVar Burton, you know, LeVar. why not have him on That there? is so smart. You know I, what? I just got chills from that, which means there's truth to that, right? Yes. I'm just saying, like, I think reading Rainbow, he's amazing. And I think he is yeah. so smart. And it just would feel like it's time at this point. Oh, my. I got to text him. I'm, I'm friendly with him. I, and I actually know his manager. That who, is a great who, idea, Who Ryan. throws that out there? I mean, well, he's already actually, there's a, uh, there's a, uh, I believe, like one of those petitions being signed. And he, he tweeted about it saying, thank you so much for everyone that wants that. Because he, I think he actually would want it to happen as well. So who knows? The Jeopardy folks need to get it together, honey. And, and you know, maybe we'll get the exclusive right here on Let's Go There. Just yeah, saying. I just had just no saying. clue you knew LeVar Burton. You've never said yes, that. Yes, I have. I have, actually. You have anyway, never said that. You learn new things every day for, about me, Ryan. That's all I can say. I'm, oh, I always have something new to share. I hate this show. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, <laughs> coming up, uh, we've got what's trending this hour. A video shows what a dying patient's view is as ICU doctors urge people to take COVID seriously. Are they taking it too far? That's next. Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. Coming up on the show, how activists are looking to win both Democratic Senate seats in January's runoff election in Georgia for Reverend Raphael Warnock and John Ossoff. Please hang out for that conversation because uh, they are doing some great work and it's incredible to see how all these folks have really come together on the ground there right now. Yeah, it's a, it's pretty amazing, to be quite honest, and I'm very excited to dive in on that. Yep, but let's uh, get into some what's trending this hour right now. A St. Louis ICU doctor shared a video showing what COVID-19 patients see as they're being intubated in an attempt to urge people to take the virus seriously. Now, in the video, we'll play some of it right now. Kenneth Remy, a critical care physician at Washington University Medical Center, stares down at a camera as he holds tools used in the intubation process. This is what it's going to look like. I hope that the last moments of your life don't look like this. Because this is what you'll see at the end of your life if we don't start wearing masks when we're out in public. When we don't practice social distancing. When we don't wash our hands frequently. Because I promise you, this will be what you see. I promise you, this is what your mother or your father, or your children, when they get COVID disease, will see at the end of their life. This is serious. I beg you, please practice the precautions to reduce transmission of COVID disease so that we can effectively prevent disease for you and your loved ones. Now, 
was this too much to share this, Ryan? It's obviously, it's, it's very traumatizing to imagine, but it's possibly the reality check that we all need right now. Um, you know, I don't think it's too much, to be honest. I think it, it does give people some understanding of this being real. And to be quite honest, even without this video, people are going to choose whether or not they are going to believe in what, you know, first responders and these medical professionals are actually dealing with. And it's really, you know, it's unfortunate if they see this video and they still don't care, if they still don't believe. I mean, folks have COVID, they are literally on their deathbed and they still think that it is not COVID. That has been reported. It's real. It's what people, what's happening here. And it's unfortunate at this point. Yeah, and that, as the U.S. has now surpassed 12.8 million cases with over 261,000 deaths. Now, the CDC is aiming to reduce the quarantine requirements for someone potentially exposed to the virus from 14 days to somewhere between 7 to 10 days. The change in days, in addition to conducting a test, is being pursued as health officials try to gain better guidelines with COVID questioning communities. The decision also comes from a better understanding of the phases of virus incubation and transmission. So within five days after exposure is when individuals typically display some symptoms, according to the CDC in October, but it can take as much as 14 days. And a recent study from the CDC, which has yet to be peer reviewed, suggested seven days of isolation would be sufficient. Now, while Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf formally certified the state's election results yesterday with President-elect Biden as the winner, a Commonwealth court judge has now ruled that the state is prohibited from certifying the rest of its election results in down-ballot races and from taking any further action in regards to Tuesday's certification of the presidential race as well until a hearing on Friday. So so that is happening right now. He did uh, side with the GOP on this one. And we'll see what happens come Friday. Uh, That was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan? Oh, my goodness. The Tea Report, those pop culture stories that are trending right now. It's official. People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive, Mm. actor Michael B. Jordan, will soon be on OnlyFans. Are you kidding me? Wait, what? Yes, honey. Uh, The Creed uh, 2 star broke the news on a recent Jimmy Kimmel appearance. Uh, Now, Kimmel commented literally in an unscripted moment that Jordan's mustache would make $250,000 a year if it had an OnlyFans page. And then, of course, Jordan fired back saying, actually, I'm going to start one because like all the proceeds, I want to go towards a barber school because during the quarantine, you know, there's been so many businesses and schools that shut down. And Kimmel was like, wait, you're really going to do that? And he was like, yeah. And it's been announced, you know, Um, I don't know if he's going to be showing anything sexy, you know, like, you know, below the belt. I hope he does, but I doubt it. Um, Yeah, it's going to be nice you know all these celebrities are joining only fans for like these exclusive content but he's doing it for a good cause and i just think he's just phenomenal for that i mean yeah good on him i love that for a good cause and you know there's gonna be some thirst traps for that oh for sure i mean earlier when he was trying to get folks to vote he had posted a lip biting shirtless uh Mm. uh thirst trap that really made me rethink some things about really being lonely in this quarantine but honey that's your tea report and also none of your business and that's it Let's go there with Shira and Ryan, the new Channel Q. We're wrapping up the show with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. 
Okay, so we have a fun one and we do have a sad one. This will definitely bring tears to your eyes. ABC News shared a video of frontline workers being brought to tears themselves, describing the experience of caring for COVID-19 patients in the hopes of making the public find compassion to take this more seriously. It's always in your face. When I come to work, I deal with COVID patients. And when I go home, I don't get to hug my kids. I have a four and an eight-year-old. And they don't run to the door anymore because we don't give hugs when I get home. Yeah, this was really heartbreaking to watch. And it's like how many of these nurses, doctors, folks on the front lines are going to have to share this for people to take it seriously. Like, I get questioning the government, but these are the folks that are there. Like, and we know some of those folks. We have them on our show. We're friends with them. How can you not listen to what they are saying? Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's heartbreaking, right, to hear a video like that and even have people who have come on the show from Dr. Sack to uh, Dr. James pleading with folks to just follow the rules and follow the guidelines. And for me to even today, like, I think it puts in perspective a lot of things. Like, if I'm feeling down, I actually wrote down kind of like a gratitude list of all the things that I'm grateful yes. for. Because I do think it is important to kind of re-put things into perspective. Uh, you may think that you're going through something which is valid but there's so many worse things that we're all could be experiencing and unfortunately you know like these first responders and these medical professionals are working i mean putting themselves in the line of danger and i can't say thank you enough and hearing her cry like that just breaks my heart well, sacrificing themselves yeah. not seeing their family i mean it's real and oh my god i'm getting like a mom moment hearing you talk about oh my god like leave me alone and gratitude. Okay. Uh, now, another Yaz Queen goes to San Francisco's Oasis nightclub. They've taken their iconic drag performances from the stage to the streets with their new meal delivery service called Meals on Heels. Get it? And uh, here's club owner Darcy Drollinger. The pandemic hit, and like all small businesses, um, we had to shut down. The city said we could deliver cocktails and deliver alcohol if we partnered with a caterer or a restaurant to also deliver food. We thought, well, we're a drag venue. That's what people, that's how people know us. So we have to have a drag queen deliver the food. And I thought, well, if we're going to have a drag queen go to all the trouble of delivering the food, why not have them do a performance? So I love that. Hit them up. If you're in San Francisco, go support what they're up to. The Oasis Nightclub. And that does it for our Yes Queen of the Day and our show. Yes, Queen. And guess what? We are off for the next two days, but mm -hmm. we still got some great music and programming right here on Channel Q. We are just sending you so much love. Uh, we are grateful for you yes. for listening uh, and being part of our family here at Channel Q because we wouldn't be able to do this show or anything that we're doing without you. I agree. You know, Sherry, you couldn't have said it better. And uh, again, as we wrap this up, we always say we're sending you love and light. And honey, you better remember to slay, you know, all that cooking that you about to have, all the, the outfits, even get dressed up a little bit. Just Why sit not? in front of your computer on Zoom and act like you're at the dinner table and have a good time. Just remember uh, to slay. Yes. And binge listen to our podcast. If you missed any of our shows or interviews, just go to the radio.com app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There. And now stick around for Loveline, where Dr. Chris will be covering sex, love, and taking your advice questions. Oh, okay. 
Let's go there with Shira Lazar and Ryan Mitchell on Channel Q. We're back from Thanksgiving weekend and wondering what happened to those Black Friday crowds in the middle of a pandemic. Plus, how Trump's conspiracy theories about the election have led his supporters to boycott the Georgia election runoffs. Yeah, I don't think that was the result he was looking for. Listen live weekdays, 4 to 7 p.m. Pacific, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Channel Q or on your own time with the Let's Go There podcast on the Radio.com app.